I'd like to welcome everyone once again this morning out to worship our Lord. Um, the Lord has granted us another day in which we can praise him, worship him, and also to give our lives to him. Uh, before we begin the uh, sermon, can we have any uh, announcements or greetings to the church? Thank you. Uh, Brother Phil mentioned that Brother Edwin Allensbach extended greetings and he would appreciate visits for those that can visit him. So please do so. Any other greetings? Miller? Brother Miller extended greetings. Thank you. Bethany extends greetings. She uh, was in, uh, she's in Kitchener taking care of parents and Josiah extends greetings. He's in Michigan. Thank you, Brother Edmund. Extend our greetings also when you talk to them. Any other greetings or announcements? Thank you, Sister Rosemary. For the, uh, Sister Rosemary uh, extended her thanks for all the emails, the correspondences, the flowers, uh, the, the phone calls, I would also imagine, um, in the passing of her father. They had the funeral last week. I think it was, was it the same. No, two weeks ago, I think it was it. Yeah, it was going to be co coincidental with the baptism in Richmond Hill, but then it was was postponed. So thank you for all your well wishes to the family. May the Lord comfort you and keep you and your family. Any other uh, greetings? I would like to say I had the greetings from the Brunswick Hills congregation, but I didn't stay. So, But uh, we had a good elders meeting and we thank the Lord and everyone for praying for us. Just uh, three announcements that I have here, maybe four. <clears throat> Focus of the month is still Hope Ministries, uh, the boat ministry, the medical boat uh, in uh, Brazil. Um, CFG this week, we did have the life of Christ, but we're not sure what chapter that is. So if you can, uh, Brother Daniel, brief us. Uh, maybe we can announce that for the afternoon to let people... Uh, study ahead of time. That's for CFG. Choir practice is at 1 p.m. still, and uh, we encourage as many that can to please participate. We do have a fourth one, which was the Messiah Sing, right? The, the date of the Messiah Sing is uh, the 17th of December. So um, they've, have they started practice already? I can't remember. The 23rd, they start practicing Kitchener. So those that would like to join that glorious program, please do so. My uh, dear wife, Millie, couldn't make it. She's not feeling well. She extended greetings also to the congregation. Before we do look into the word of God, let us all bow our hearts and heads in prayer. Loving Father, indeed, we are not seeking a path of roses here upon this earth because we know that the Christian's life 
is not a path of roses, should not be a path of roses. There are many difficulties, many challenges, much striving, but Lord, we pray that you would lead us in the fray and you would give us the grace and the strength and the perseverance and the commitment to continue on as being ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Also for helping each other along life's journey. Bless us this morning hour as we look into your word and we ask for thy presence in the precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. I just keep on wanting to go back to the Beatitudes as we have been studying that in the past few months or many weeks. I'd like to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 and I'm just going to read one verse. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. Let's bow down and worship the Lord together. Almighty and holy creator of this vast universe and yet lover of our souls, we come into your presence this morning in awe and wonder, this privilege to enter in the very throne room of God, our prayers ascending like incense in the presence of the holy angels. Father, we cannot imagine what a privilege it is this morning to be kneeling right here. Father, that you, your heart is moved by our poor prayers, that we can be together, united, a community, a body, united by our love for you and for each other. Father, we pray that you would indeed inspire us. May that love be rekindled and burn brightly and be a contrast to all the fear and confusion and angst that we see all around us. Father, there are many challenges around us and Lord, we are not, we are not spared. Father, we know there are loved ones who have who are suffering illness, those who are suffering loss, those who are um, being tossed by the waves of this world. And yet, Lord, we can find rest for our souls even in the midst of that storm in your loving heart. Father, we pray that we would learn to not be giddy with this world's distraction, the Lord to be realistic about the state of our souls in this world and our need for you and for your forgiveness and for your grace. 
Father, we would uh, ask for your inspiration for the dear brother, that you meet his needs also. Father, as you are aware of the many needs in our midst, the trials, Lord, I can think of so many where hearts are being broken and stretched and strained, souls wrestling, not knowing where to turn, some still resisting your loving call, some confused about how to respond. Father, we pray that your truth as proclaimed this morning would help them to know and inspire them to take that step, to not just know in their heads, but to act on the truths that you are providing for us this morning. For those who are not in the hearing of this word, Lord, they are not beyond the reach of your spirit. Please draw them to you. We beg you, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <clears throat> we go back to the beatitude, the blessed attitudes and principles behind our life as believers. As mentioned before, this is really a description of those that are kingdom children, those that are in the kingdom. The beautiful attitudes, the beautiful virtues that a kingdom child should possess. And perhaps like I was thinking this morning, like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, and so forth, that the fruit is not complete, it's not mature, unless you have all nine aspects of it. And so to be a kingdom child, it is not complete unless we have and possess all of these beautiful attitudes, which can only be given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. Again, get the context. The context is that these were people that were like sheep without a shepherd. That's what the scripture says. And when Jesus looked at the multitudes, the thousands, he said, he looked upon them, he said, these were like a sheep without a shepherd. That's how he viewed them. And I was really touched when I was in Regina, I'll repeat again, when this one newcomer came there, she was there with her little child and her husband was a truck driver in the States and not coming back for many, for many weeks at a time. And I asked her, where did she come from? I never saw you here before. What's her story? And she, she came back to, to a church. She befriended one of the, uh, I think it was Steve Kreisen and his wife Ruth there, brother Stephen and sister Ruth. And she said that I was going through, loss, through, li through life and I lost my way. 
Oh, the rejoicing that would give to a, a mother and a father if their child comes to them and says, Mom, Dad, I've lost my way. Just how much more compassion did the Lord have on the sheep that were like without a shepherd? And as you read through these Beatitudes, you see that every one of these attitudes has this connotation of a subdued spirit, not a haughty spirit, not something elevated, not ecstatically joyful, but a subdued spirit, a spirit that is content, a spirit that is free of condemnation, a spirit that is humble, a spirit that is willing to give of itself, a spirit that has no vengeance in this heart, or her heart. Not even against oppressors and enemies. Because only this kind of spirit can receive the gifts of God and appreciate the gifts of God. And each one of these as can be pictured as a staircase, as is often pictured in when you see something like this in, in the back of your Bible, in, even I believe the, chain, the Thompson chain reference, I believe they have this staircase. And it's a, it's a way that leads you to sub, sublime happiness and contentment in the kingdom of God. And you can't do without the other. The second beatitude, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, are actually begotten by the first, where it talks about those that are poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those that see they are bankrupt, see that they have nothing to offer, see that they have nothing where they can Say to God that I can be, I'm worthy of your kingdom. Verse 3 Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Basically, like Isaiah said, I am undone. Chapter 6, I'm undone. The second verse is falling into that by saying, Woe unto me, I am undone. I know what the consequences are. I know what the repercussions are because I am undone. And the person goes into this mourning. Now, 
This is not a morning necessarily of sin. Jesus did not say to the sinners, this is for the kingdom people. But it applies to the sinner and it applies to the kingdom people. I believe that Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd because not only were they sinful people that are lost spiritually, but because of their predicament, because of the, their poverty, because of their oppression in this Roman-occupied land of Palestine, and when I think of that, I, my mind goes back to the book of Isaiah again, not 6, but 61 now, which is also referred to in the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus read for others to hear in the synagogue. And he says in verse 1 of 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound, and then to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God, to comfort all that mourn. It's a package. God not only is so much concerned about our spiritual welfare, he, he wants to provide for our body, soul, and spirit. And he knows that in this flesh, in this life, in this body, we will experience pain, suffering, Financial loss, loss of loved ones, he knows that. That's why he came to earth. He came to earth to identify with us. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Who was our high priest that was not untouched by our infirmities. Who was, didn't was not ignorant of what we are going through. But he had compassion on the people. So God knows how we feel God knows our plight. God knows our trials. And he knows that in many ways we mourn over them as well. But mourning for the Christian is going to be different than mourning for those that do not have a God to turn to. Who do not have a hope. Who do not have promises of the future and in and the present as we saw in verse 1 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is, theirs is, not will be, is now. Theirs is now the kingdom of heaven. And the promises are in, inside the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. There is a time when there is mourning. But their mourning shall turn to joy. Sorry, getting older, you, you, you reflect back to your life and you reflect, reflect back to all the hardships and the difficulties that we go through. The loved ones that you've lost. It was a very emotional baptism last week that I've never attended such as one. When you think 45 years ago, 48 years ago, we were young, we were vibrant, we were full of zeal, full of life. We had plans. And to see a life that could have been snuffed out because of recklessness, because of sin, and to see that he was a brand. Plucked from the fire. These are tears of joy. But there's tears of sadness. I talked to a brother yesterday. Who said... He pleaded with his child, begged him, wept, and said, no matter what you do, I will love you until you die, until I die. No matter what you do, I will love you until I, you die or I die. And that's what Jesus did. He loved us until he died and he loved us after he died dear ones outside of Christ you need to take life seriously you need to realize just as 70 years went by for now brother Steve like in a flash in a in a blink your life will go by that way too. Will you be a brand plucked from the fire? Will you hedge your bets? Will you take risks? Because what Jesus is also saying in this verse is that in order 
for you to become a kingdom child, you need to humble yourself. You need to be real. You need to admit and acknowledge. And you know that this life has nothing to offer. You know that this life has empty promises, not like the promises of of blessing as Jesus gives us. And should you live to a hundred and have the strength till you're 99 to enjoy, it's over. It's gone. It's done. And to come before our maker, before our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and say, I am empty, I am undone. And woe unto me because I am undone. The Apostle Paul, when he came to that knowledge in Romans chapter 7, said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I remember my brother saying, Freeman, a long time ago before he was converted, he stopped coming to church, but when he came to church, he said, it's that one hump. I just had to get over that one hump to make that decision. What does mourning mean in that sense? It means a deep anguish in your heart regarding your spiritual state before God, regarding your sin. It pains the heart. You could have made a lot of mistakes. You call that regret. I regret doing that. But has that changed your heart? A lot of people regret doing things without having a change of heart. When regret moves from the mind to the heart, it becomes mourning. When you realize the actual significance of that, what you have done, and your actual state before a living God, That kind of mourning. The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian church. Because they were puffed up. They were not of low estate. They were not of poor in spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Listen to this. Verse 6. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. This is Paul the Apostle, the great Apostle, who was preaching the gospel. And and in in chapter 1, he talked about the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies, how they went through tremendous trials to the point they said they had the sentence of death in them. They felt that they were sentenced to death 
because of the, tr- the extreme trials and persecutions they went through. And he said, yet this God that comforts those that, that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming only, but by consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward them, toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. He was in the, the, the tremendous trials and oppressions that he was going through, but he rejoiced when he heard that the church at Corinth really did appreciate him. Some. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. I do not regret that. Though I made you sorry, when, when he sent them this letter, which really was like a rod to them, I, I, he said, I don't regret back at once, Stage, I thought I made a mistake, maybe, but I, I, I don't regret it. Why? I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. So sorrow is for a season. Mourning is for a season. God, Jesus did not mean that the ones that mourn shall be comforted. It means that they walk around moping, that they walk around with with long faces and are constantly uh, fearful and complaining about the state of the world and the state of society and what's going on and what's wrong with the church. That's not the kind of mourning that Jesus is talking about. That's not mourning, that's moaning which is carnal and selfish. But the mourning that he's talking about here is a mourning that has led them to repentance. I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry or sorrowful, though it were for a season. Mourning is for a season. Even David says the same thing. It's for a season. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. This was not a punitive letter. This was a letter because of his love for his church, which he had um, uh, begotten, if you will, through his preaching through his evangelism. And in the end, it seemed harmful, but it wasn't. You didn't receive any damage from us, no harm from us. It was all meant for the good. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, to be not to be repented of, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world works death. What Jesus is talking about here is to have this lowly spirit to recognize that you are undone and then to also recognize the significance of your status of being undone. And that leads you not only 
to have mourning in the heart, but lead you to repentance. And this mourning leads to the repentance leads to the the action or the change in your will. It's something you can do. God's not going to do it for you. When you are so moved, you know, Brother Edmund mentioned in this prayer that our prayer moves God. God has always, in his word, said, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. And when we pray to him, he's just fulfilling his promise of what he prayed, what he said he would do. He said, repent and believe the gospel. That's what Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch. Do you believe? I believe. Then I'll baptize you. How deep? Do you have an anguish of heart? You who are seeking the Lord. Do you think that by praying a sinner's prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner and just walking away is going to do it? If it's sincere, truly sincere, what will it follow up with? That is a repentance. It is a change of mind. But there's got to be a change of way through the action of the will. Paul, Apostle Paul, even preached before the kings of this world in, in the book of Acts and talking about them to, before, in the book of Acts at least, I can't remember the exact space, but he said, but repentance, works meet for repentance. He preached Jesus Christ and that they were to bring forth works meet for repentance, worthy of repentance, fruits of that repentance. And if you say that, yep, I've repented, what stops me from being baptized? What have you repented of? Did you ask God, God, forgive me for stealing this thing? Are you truly sorry? If you were truly sorry, you would return what you stole. God, forgive me for telling that person he's a jerk. If you're truly sorry, you'd go and apologize to that person. We want to get baptized. And, and we think that being baptized is being saved. Baptism, and that was the testimony of Brother Steve last week. I knew that if I just got baptized, I'd just become wet. And we've heard that before. But he knew that he had to surrender his whole body, soul, and spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice. As Romans 12 says. Not only in word, but in deed. 
in offering his life, as we sing in 159, offer up your life and being, give to God and Christ your all. If you don't want to give all on the altar, then you're holding something back. And you think it's good enough for God. Is it good enough for God? A holy and righteous and perfect God, you give him portion of what you have? What happened in Ananias and Sapphira? They sold the land. They wanted to look good in front of the apostles and the people and to, you know, get with it, do their part, go through the motion. And they held back. And after being inquired of by Apostle Peter through the Holy Spirit, they lied. Yeah, we gave everything. Were they trying to fool God? He said, you haven't lied to us. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. True mourning, true repentance is surrendering everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. These songs were written for in vain. They're written so that we can remember them as we sing them and over and over and over, not just because they've got nice melodies, but because they have meaning. And God has given us hymns and spiritual songs and psalms to remind us. Look at what David says in Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord will not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. David said, when I kept silence, my bones were waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. David, when he realized that he was a sinner, go to Psalm 51. He felt like everything inside of him was just shriveling up, painful. If you ever had anything inside of you that was really a cramp or a stitch, how painful that could be, or a, for that matter, a kidney stone, worst pain I've ever had. But translate that to the spiritual world. How, how, how did you feel when you became a sinner? You think this is, oh, Jesus died on the cross for me anyway. He said, he'll forgive me and I'm just going to want to get baptized. Or does it grieve your heart? That it was your or my sin that put him on the cross. I remember when, when I was converted. And I went on a business trip to a hotel. And I turned the news on. And I was flicking through the channels. And there was a scene there that was disgusting. 
I immediately switched it off. And I got down on my knees and I, I wept. Yeah, I, it, it was not me that did that. But what was I doing flicking through the channels? Why wasn't I doing something else like flicking through my Bible? That's how I convicted I felt. I was so shaken that I would allow something like that to happen. Verse 5 says, the remedy for this is this mourning, is this, is this contrition, is the heartfelt pain that I have now grieved my God. Do you know? We heard that God's heart is moved. We heard that in last week's uh, service that God rejoices when he, his people come back home. Not just in the prodigal son story, but in the old covenant when Israel would return to them, he would rejoice. Do you know that God sings? I don't know how he sings, but Zephaniah says that God will sing. What we do and the joy that we give, not just the angels in heaven, but in some ways translated in God rejoicing when a sinner comes home. He's not this distant, um, indifferent God that put this planet and this universe into a spin and then walks away. He has feelings. He is grieved. He rejoices. He has wrath. He has a relationship with his creation. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I hit, not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. God is gracious. God is great. God is loving. God is a merciful God. Blessed are the merciful. How much more God? Our blessed Savior and Redeemer and God. And He wants us to be merciful. He wants us to be lowly. He wants us to mourn. He wants us to acknowledge our weakness and say we can have no forgiveness, no peace, no contentment unless it is in him. Verse 10 of Psalm 32 says this. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Sorrows do not just come to the Christians because they have an enemy, the devil. Sorrows come to everyone. 
Sorrows come to everyone. Trials come to everyone. All of humanity is under the curse of the sin of Adam. And Jesus came, it says, to remove that curse. He became a curse for us, it says in Galatians 3. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Verse 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. The fruit of all of this and the eventual culmination when that seasonal mourning is done brings joy. That's what the, 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 the psalm came to me now. It says, says that you know, sorrow endures for an evening, if I remember correctly. But joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Tomorrow's another day. And anyone that I've counseled with, when they're going through grief and difficulties and trials and not being able to handle the situation, I don't have all the answers. I don't have most of the answers, but one thing I do tell them is take everything a day at a time, a step at a time. Let God lead and you follow, and God will bring you joy. God will one day wipe all tears from your eyes. But my friend outside of Christ, you won't have that hope if you don't mourn now. If you don't submit yourself now. If you don't surrender everything now. If you don't repent now. You may not get that joy. This is my plea. As an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, I beseech you to be reconciled unto God. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. Will the brother please find him? Hymn number 276, all three verses.
please offer a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder we've received this morning that joy comes in the morning. That one day, the morning of our hearts will be turned to joy if we trust in thee. We all know this world is far from perfect, and yet some still try to make of this imperfect world a paradise. That's an impossibility. As long as sin reigns here, joy will always be tainted with sorrow. But for those that mourn over the current state of things, for those that mourn over the current state of their own life, there can be one day joy without sorrow, a perfect joy, a heavenly joy, a holy joy, a joy in the presence of the Father and the holy angels, a joy surrounded by the saints of all the ages, a joy that will never end. Heavenly Father, we long for that day. We look for that day. We trust that that day is coming. And Heavenly Father, we would ask that each one here would be prepared now to be part of that joy to put aside the things that would hold them back. We're thankful that even at this late hour, our brother Steve found the answer in surrender to thee. We're thankful that he realized that the path that he was on was going to lead to eternal mourning, weeping and gnashing of teeth as the Bible says Yet that was not intended for any one of us. That is, a, that is a hell of our own making. A life apart from God. And finally, an eternal life apart from God is nothing but weeping and gnashing of teeth. But it doesn't need to be that way. Thy son came to show us what the Father always had in mind. That those that mourn now would be comforted the pure in heart, would see God. Heavenly Father, help us all to remember these words. Remember them when times are tough, when, when circumstances are less than ideal, when we lose loved ones, or when tragedy visits us, that this is not the end, that there is indeed a better day coming. Heavenly Father, we want to lift up in prayer unto, those, unto thee those that are mourning, perhaps right now, those that are suffering loss, those that have chronic disease or terminal illness, those that are grieving over wayward loved ones. Heavenly Father, draw feelingly near to them that they may experience thy nearness in a special way. We know that thou art always near that thou art not far from any one of us. But Heavenly Father, sometimes that has seemed far away. And so we pray that, especially for those that are going through great difficulties and trials of their faith,
that they would feel thy nearness and know that thou art nearby, ready to dry the tears and bind up the, the wounded and broken hearts. Heavenly Father, be with those that are perhaps running from thee, those that think that they do not want to be near thee. Help them to realize, Heavenly Father, that apart from thee, to be cut off from thee is to be cut off from all goodness, all love, all joy. What a tragic state, Heavenly Father. So we would ask that those souls that are running from thee would realize the futility, the foolishness of going the wrong way, running from joy and love, and would instead repent, turn around, and seek thee. Heavenly Father, we ask for thy blessing now upon this service and the words that we have heard, and we pray that thy spirit would help us to remember these things when we are tempted to despair, and help us to look up. We pray these things now in the name of thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will the brother find a concluding hymn, please? Hymn number 36. Hymn number 36, verses 1, 3, and 5.
the verse we just read. <clears throat> Satan's host through seeming gladness shall go into endless pain, but the saints by way of sadness shall the marriage supper gain. I don't, I think it's pretty obvious, my dear friend, uh, the kind of world you live in. We can distract ourselves by seeming gladness to, from how bad things are, but a sober look would, would see it, that the, the distraction is shallow, the reality enduring. But then we can get stuck sometimes just like seeing how bad things are out there and miss the truth that the line between good and evil goes through our own hearts. And it is, as we heard this morning, coming to ourselves and recognizing our, how we have hurt the heart of God, how we have chosen and are responsible for those choices. And as we mourn, as David said, as we, in Psalm 51, as he mourned his own sin, that the sacrifice of the Lord are a contrite spirit and a broken heart he will not deny. That's the, what the Lord knows, is looking for, to, to initiate a relationship for those who do not yet know him, He's looking for honesty. As again, Psalm 51 says, he, you desire truth in the inward parts. And he's looking for that humility. And if we have that, we will find healing, we will find comfort, we will find encouragement, and we will. But saints, by way of sadness, shall the marriage supper gain. We study in, the mid, in, in midweek about... Uh, the narrow and the broad way, and it, it seems much more attractive to go the seeming gladness way. But it ends in pain. But if we choose through honesty, through self-examination, through humility to mourn, then we will find the reward. And the Lord bless the, 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 this service, and with that we conclude this morning's service.